and are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Morena, New Zealand, good morning uh, to you all. And yes, uh, courtesy of Brandt and there's 17 North Island branches. Uh, we bring you the show for the next three hours. Of course, uh, John Deere Equipment Suppliers. And uh, looking forward actually to going to the field days and meeting up with the Brandt team uh, coming up uh, at uh, Mystery Creek in a month or so's time. So uh, uh, a nice little get together there. Catch up with uh, a few of the punters as well. Right, uh, what do we do today for the next three hours? We shall be hearing from Scott Robertson, of course, his press conference yesterday. Um, and uh, we'll uh, push for text, actually, uh, on that at double eight double three. We'll ask you to text in on the uh, Temper Bedpost text line with your reaction to uh, what you're hearing and uh, what you saw from yesterday. Uh, also, uh, we'll talk to uh, Hamish Mackay, of course, uh, former uh, rugby editor, commentator, etc., um, and Hamish will have some uh, views on uh, the process, etc., and uh, those people that uh, Razor has come up with as his assistants. No real surprises, I don't think, uh, there. And uh, we'll look at Super Rugby coming up this weekend. Also, we're going to look at uh, netball. It's reaching a very interesting stage, and there was some terrific netball played uh, last weekend. Uh, the table looks uh, quite spicy, actually. Storm Purvis will be with us just after 10 o'clock to talk more about that. Uh, we'll give you uh, pacing for purpose horse um, around about uh, 10.30 this morning. I'm going to talk to uh, Shane O'Brien from Collier's Rural um, after 10.30. I'll cat, uh, regular catch up there with some ag insights coming out of Collier's. And uh, also uh, we'll be talking uh, and hearing from Jerome Pampalone. Of course, uh, he's the uh, IBF Australian light heavyweight champion. He's on the card tonight. Uh, he's uh, fighting Mose Ua Matangi Jr. as part of Fight for Life tonight. So we we'll look forward to that. Uh, the sports desk, uh, we might even uh, feature a little bit about Wrexham. What a great story that is as we head towards Staffy at midday. Sport is our religion. And here is Smithy's Sermon. Well, theoretically, now that the dust has been allowed to settle and Scott Robertson has finalised this coaching setup, that should be the last we hear from this new group on All Black Matters. It's, it's such an un- unusual situation to have a successor and his colleagues ensconced before the current job has even begun to be finalised. The current task is, is the one that's most important, surely. Business at hand. For all intents and purposes, uh, Messrs Robertson, Holland, McDonald and Hanson are super rugby staff, and that is uh, their business at hand, and you would imagine that's all we'll hear from them on. Uh, and also they would continue to facilitate the needs of Ian Foster's group. I mean, we are all invested in this current campaign, are we not? Uh, the key word there is respect, and at times there hasn't been a hell of a lot shown in this process to put a polite term on it. Surely as rugby fans, as a nation even, we're just as desperate to win this World Cup as we have in previous campaigns going back to 1987. There is something inherently wrong if we aren't. And in terms of super rugby replacement coaches, they will come from in the, uh, within the paycheck wouldn't interest any in profile positions overseas. I think we gleaned that in our little chat with Robbie Deans the other day. So come on down the likes of uh, Tom Coventry and Chris Gibbs Surely it is your time in the sun. Apply within and a point from within. Hell, take a lead from the Phoenix. They did that. Right, 
Right, Dio, then uh, let's uh, get across to this uh, press conference. I actually missed it, actually, so I'll be listening to this for the, the first time. Uh, this is uh, Scott Robertson on his uh, reaction and uh, the naming of his assistants in their various posts. Now, let's uh, not forget uh, what they're doing uh, because Leon McDonald and Jason Holland will be in charge of attack. Scott Hansen will be in charge of defence. And, of course, Jason Ryan will continue in his role in charge of the forwards. This is what Razor had to say yesterday. Yeah, thank you. Kia ora, everyone. Uh, it's good to be here in um, such an exciting announcement. Um, so, obviously, you've seen all the names that in the coaching group of really focus on loyalty. Um, they've all been loyal to me as a, as a coach. I've worked closely with with all of them. Uh, they've been loyal to New Zealand rugby. Uh, they've, they've coached all the way through the grades and, and many, many teams. Um, and the other one was success. Um, we've all been successful together. We complement um, each other well. We've got a shared cohesion. Um, that's what's required to have success. Um, and probably, probably the last one is sorry, just listen. This my thing is um, the ability to uh, go on away and learn their craft. They're experts in their craft. They've gone either gone on to be head coaches somebody somewhere else or. Um, gone away and, and, and found out a little bit more about themselves as a coach um, the areas of um, strength uh, and they'll come back and we'll all join up and, and connect and um, be a really strong coaching group yeah that's my open line so these are all your first choices yeah it was yeah it was uh, it was it was pretty clear we talked all the way through uh, the, the process um, they were in the the presentation and uh, look, it's been you know the last couple of weeks working on negotiations and contracts to make sure we're all lined up, and, and here we are. How many people presented to you? Presented to me? Mm. Oh, they've been presenting the last five, six years. <laughs> oh, oh, look, you know your market. If you're going to be a, a head coach and in, in, in a, an environment like that we've got, you've got to know the professional realms. And and like you know, with Joe Holland going on to be a head coach with the the Canes for four years, and Leon five years with the Blues, and you know the success and the way they've they've grown of coaches. Um, you know, Justin Ryan obviously got a great relationship with him, and the impact that he's had with the All Blacks, and he's gone in and um, been extremely successful um, immediately. Um, and also Scott Hansen, who is an international coach in his own right with Japan, and. And amazing Rugby World Cup um, can coach both sides of the ball, which is exciting. Um, got a hell of an opinion on everything, old um, little bear. So it's going to be, um, you know, all young and enthusiastic. Uh, and yeah, it's, it's an exciting group. You must have had this group in mind for quite some time. Yeah, like I said, that's why I started with loyalty. Um, you know, like it's, it's an important part of it. Loyalty, you want to be tight, you want to be clear as a group, you want to be, have those conversations that's required. Uh, and we'll have those, uh, but you also, yeah, like I said, be experts in the areas which all, all, all of them are. Did Greg Feek or Scott McLeod express an interest in, in these positions to carry on with the All Blacks at all? Uh, yeah, they did, and we had conversations with them, and, and, and I mentioned, you know, and I said to them, these are my preferred candidates. Yeah. Why was it important to have worked with these guys before and now bringing them on for the All Blacks? Uh, look, I said just the loyalty part, uh, and also they haven't stayed with me all the time. All of them have gone away and coached and been successful. I think it's really important part of it. Uh, you know, we've got 12 days before the first test when we get together. You know, we want to make sure that 
Um, we're aligned straight away. Um, all that shared experience that we've had before is um, important. Um, a lot of trust in, in test match football is required from a, a coaching group, so we're aligned straight into it and uh, set the All Blacks up to, to be successful. So with these guys, how can we expect the All Blacks to play moving forward now? Well, that's an early call. <laughs> uh, Oh look, we'll, we'll divulge that closer to the time, eh, with the old game plan side of it. But you know, here's to, to, to talk about the people that are around us. Yeah. Have you met with them or started working with them in the sense of looking towards 2024? Uh, not as such work with them. Uh, you know, cause there's like I mentioned before, the respect for the current group that's there. Look, I've gone through the clear process that's required for me from employment side of things, but also um, focused in on and making sure this just. So on the contracts, we've done that, so we can get this out of the way, and then we can go back and focus and do all our own jobs and own roles, um, which is in front of us, which obviously is super rugby and, and we're chased with the All Blacks. Did it take much convincing for any of them, or any of them a bit hesitant about it? I guess in Alfie and Leon's case, they're going from head coaches down to um, down to being working under somebody. Well, I suppose it's sort of like being selected as a player. You know, you, you, your dream is to coach your, your country, and they're all straight in. So it was a it was a yes from the start. Yeah. What about the staff, Scott? I see Nick Gill mm. staying on, but underneath, is, is there going to be fresh staff as well? And, and yeah, we're going through that process at the moment. Um, look, Nick's got some great experience, as, as we know. He's been an integral part of the success of the All Blacks for a long period of time. Uh, we, we thought it was really important to have that continuity. Uh, uh, he's a good man and, and exceptional world leading at his, his job. But in terms of the other staff, medical, whatever, is that yeah. your call who comes in or how's that? Yeah, oh, look, I'm part of the process. Uh, and, and uh, you know, those are lots of conversations to have along the way and they'll be announced in due course. Yeah. Is that the same with selectors as well? Uh, we'll select the team. So the current coaching staff will select it. I'm big on, if you're an expert in your area, you've got to know the, the players that you're coaching. So you, they do the homework. Then, they, then they've got to present back and sell to to that group, you know, while we're selecting them, um, then you know them um, pretty intimately. Uh, you know, the one good thing about this group, all of us have coached majority, or I shouldn't say majority of um, the All Blacks that are currently in the All Black group, if it's um, not before from the 20s or, or, or currently there, we, we know them, we've got current relationships. So that's a real strength, yeah. You mentioned finishing Super Rugby. Um, obviously, three of you guys are, are Super Rugby head coaches. Yeah. How do you go about finishing strong in Super Rugby, but also looking forward to the future? Oh, look, we're all experienced now. Like I said, a lot of the guys that are in the roles with Super Super teams have um, got things down. Pat, um, we're, we're right into them. You know, the, the well past the halfway point of this competition. So now we can we've got clarity. Um, we can go and focus back on this job. You know, we start November one. So uh, yeah, we can we can focus into Super Rugby and then and get on the job um, in November. With Leon and Jason, does it add a bit of fuel to the fire? You know who, who wins Super Rugby? Uh, <laughs> yeah. well, we're all competitive. <laughs> That's why I think we're good coaches. Um, we're all competitive in our own right, and you know everyone wants to hold that trophy up. There's um, it's a hell of a competition. It's going to be uh, tightly fought, but. We'll still have a cup of tea before and a beer after, there's no doubt. There's a very distinct yeah. Crusaders flavour uh, to your coaching staff too. I mean, if three of their coaches have less than the past 12 months. So yeah. yeah, talk to us about that. Uh, like I said before, the first thing is the loyalty and, and, and trust comes with loyalty. So you're going to go with people you know. 
um, current relationships are really important and past relationships so uh, they know me um, they'll back me uh, but also challenge me I think that's an important part of it as well so cool. yeah Mansbridge isn't too upset that you've taken care of his staff <laughs> uh, <that's a> <laughs> I'm joking that's a nervous staff um, yeah he's uh, yeah it's tough you know look um, Scotty Henson's an incredible coach and uh, you know to, for two of us to leave at the same time it's, it's, it's a challenge and there's no doubt uh, and obviously with Jason last year so there's some good men, um, but they'll, they'll find somebody else to um, take over a, a great organisation. Who's, who's out of that group, Scott, the one that sort of challenges you the most in the sense when you have those discussions around selection? Who's the one that's saying, or, uh, or that, yeah? Uh, who challenged me? Oh, everyone's got their own little way of doing it, but and you do it in a, in, in a way that's professional, you know, not personal. You have a... You've got to make sure that you cover it off and then once we've made that decision, they back you. That's really important. Yep, we're right behind you and, and, and let's get on with it. Uh, so, you know, we've done it many times as, as a co coaching group in different ways. And But I think the more important thing, like I said before, is we've gone away and, you know, everyone's roles and responsibilities, which we'll get deeper on is, you know, when we've got time um, together is the, the experiences they've had in their own super clubs can actually add and, and benefit to us the way we can um, c connect and, and get our roles and responsibilities right. Mm. Just clarifying with selection, it'll be the five of you in a, in a room nothing it out. That's correct. Yeah, that's correct. We'll get somebody from a peripheral point of view to always to, to overcheck that as well, just to make sure there's no blind spots we've missed here. And, and manager, I mean, Darren Chan's been manager for a long mm. time. Would he, will he continue or what's, where's he? Uh, we're going through that process at the moment, yeah. Okay. Yep. For you, what's it been like going Crusaders, All Blacks, back and forth a little bit this year? What's that been like? Uh, it's been, look, I'm experienced now. I've, I've been coaching in New Zealand rugby for, for a long period of time and, and all different levels and I think the clarity's given us the surety that we can just go ahead and, and get this done. Now, you know, this is the reason we've done it now to give clarity ourselves and, and the current group so that we can both get on and, and, and go and do our jobs. So look, I've been fine with it. It's, uh, uh, I enjoy it, yeah, and get bored easily, <laughs> yeah. Does the whole group have a consistent sort of idea of you know, the style of rugby you should be playing, do you think? Do you, do you all come from a similar sort of mindset about what, what you want to play to look like? Yeah, look, test football's different. You know, it's, it's different. There's different pressures and different pressure cycles in, in um, test footy. You know, there's a lot of different... It's different to super rugby, we know that. You know, um, you know, having played it and, and, and being around it and watched for, for, for a long period of time and you look at the trends, you know, you know the game will play, play different so you have to adapt to it and as a coaching group we will. Yeah. As a long time super rugby coach, do you think there's the depth and coaching talent in New Zealand to cater for these three franchises now looking for head coaching? Yeah, well they've got time. I think that's a great thing about going a little bit earlier. Now they know. Uh, and you're always looking, every organisation's always looking who's next, who's a succession plan. So I'm sure someone will step up. You know, we're always in 2017 when the Crusaders took a pun on me, they thought what they were getting. <laughs> so, look, there'll be, you know, I'm sure there'll be other examples of young, great coaches that have come through our system uh, to take those opportunities. Mm. Eddie Jones has talked a lot about looking at the NRL and pitching players for the Wallabies. Is it, yeah. Do you look at other sports as well and go, this is someone that could maybe we could have an interest in for rugby? Or are you quite happy with the pool? Uh, Hmm. 
uh, I think I think the NRL stuff and the league players and the um, at the converts thing is a really interesting um, discussion. Uh, you know, there's some great examples and the ones that you, you you know you you could have done it better. You know, like the selection side of it. Um, being on positions and, and time and age, so there's a lots of different. You, you, I haven't got a broad view on it, but we can sit down and um, you can write a pamphlet on it because I've got, yeah. I've got some clear guidelines what I think about it. But hey, look, there's always extreme talents, and you know, Sunny Bill is a prime example. Yeah, the All Blacks have had a long-standing tradition of only selecting New Zealand-based players. Is that a rule you are passionate about to, to only select Super Rugby domestic players? Uh, one thing, look, one thing they've said to me is um, a bit of full thinking um, and, and challenging the norm here. So we'll have conversations, you know, you've got to be a step ahead. If you step behind you, and then changing rules, that's when you, you get caught. So Robert will definitely be getting my opinion and, and my thoughts. And look, I'm, I'll present to the board and where I think the game is heading potentially. Um, but a lot of that will happen after, you know, I get in the role. Yeah. Wouldn't rule out selecting players from overseas. Uh, oh, look! I think the conversation's got to be continually had. Yeah, but it's not at the moment, obviously, because I start November one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Are you planning to head to the World Cup at all? Just to, to what? Yeah, I think it's really important um, that, that I go and watch and become involved and understand the tournament works and look from a from a coaching point of view, not a fan point of view. Uh, look, I spent a couple of weeks and, and have full respect with the distance from the, the current All Black group. And and go with some couple of clear objectives. What I can learn from from the from the tournament. Well, uh, he's uh, got his own way, hasn't he, Scott Robertson? Uh, he seems to deal with the media quite well. Um, that's uh, he's got a good relationship because he's been a winner. Um, and of course, most of the the press conferences and most of the questions he has to answer are on a positive note. But uh, it's all going to be a, a learning process for him. Uh, he, he just uh, deals with it quite nicely, and uh, that, a few things came through there. I, I don't think uh, Darren Shand will be the, uh, the manager going forward. Um, he had an opportunity there to endorse what he's done over the last, uh, what, three, four, five campaigns. He's been around for so long, Darren Shand. So it looks like they'll be looking at a, a new manager um, in terms of their support staff. Uh, which, um, as you said, we're going through that process now. So uh, there were two or three of them, I would imagine, that probably won't be carried on. And uh, New Broome, as they say, and a lot of areas in New Broome. But uh, Nick Gill stays. Um, of course, Jason Ryan was always going to stay. A high-caliber individual who's uh, doing very fine things with this current group. So um, love to hear your, your um, impressions on, on that. Uh, double eight double three is our text. Uh, are you encouraged by what you heard there? Uh, is there anything there that was surprising for you? Um, is there anything there that concerns you uh, going forward? I, I just hope now, as I said in the sermon, I hope now that um, November 1st, he said, is the date that he takes over. That's it. Um, in terms of all black matters and all black um, situations, uh, we have a current coach. His name is Ian Foster. We have current uh, assistant coaches. We have current management. And uh, hopefully um, we'll all have uh, the respect to just uh, run with this campaign because there's a little matter of a World Cup not that far away and they are the men who are going to take us to that and hopefully win it for us. Um, and that'll be interesting if they do that, won't it? Really. Uh, 9.22 here on SENZ. The Good Oil. All the fun and tips for your Saturday afternoon. Live Saturdays from 1 on SENZ. Bring your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. 
This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Right, uh, texts uh, have come in. Uh, Jared said, uh, good morning, Smithy. And Razor, we trust why I like his honesty, loyalty and professionalism. And that's what he brings and his team. Much confidence going forward for me after listening to that interview. Jared, that's good. If you uh, were encouraged by that, um, you know, as I said, he, he always talks in a very positive way, doesn't he, even in defeat. Um, he shows his frustrations every now in the coach's box, but even in defeat, he sees uh, something to come to good out, uh, come uh, outcome out uh, out of it. But here's the thing: uh, as I said before, he's only really um, coached in a successful way because he's had such a great record. Uh, he hasn't had too many negatives uh, overall to deal with. Uh, coaching the All Blacks uh, does bring a lot more scrutiny. Uh, it does bring a lot more um, conjecture, criticism. Um, so we'll uh, be interested to see how uh, Razor changes with that over a period of time. But yeah, he's got a, a good supportive group with him and people he is, as he said, loyal to. And they're loyal to him. Uh, he trusts them. They trust him. Um, so it, it is an, an interesting um, and very predictable mix, though. I, I kind of felt that that was that was the four or five names uh, about a month ago, and nothing changed in between times. Uh, Anthony has come in, and uh, Anthony from Rotorua, we are hearing a lot about the ABs and the new coaches for next year in a World Cup year. Do you think there's any chance that if Foster loses test matches, uh, they will sack him uh, this year? Uh, I'm all for Scott Robertson coaching the ABs. I think it's just odd we're talking about this in a World Cup year. It's a very odd set of circumstances, there's no doubt about it, uh, to have someone appointed to your job before you've even finished it, or even close to finishing it, um, is is interesting in, in itself. Um, pretty much for me, a vote of no confidence going forward, but um, that, that's how I would look at it if, if it was uh, me in that situation. Uh, so it is un, it's interesting, Anthony. I do not think they'll replace him. If he loses the odd test and build up to the World Cup, I don't think they'll be replacing Ian Foster. That would be a stretching it. Um, Anthony, uh, hi, Smithy. Pat Lamb for the Blues' new head coach with the existing Tom Coventry. Hmm, Interesting. I'd like uh, Tom Coventry to have his opportunity as a, a head coach. I think he's um, he's earned his stripes in that regard. Um, I, w- I wouldn't be averse to um, I would not be averse to having him um, as a head coach of the Blues. I think he's got great respect. I think he's one of the de- definite candidates to just to roll on over after Leon McDonald finishes. Some of the worry for me would be selections and a lack of real experienced coach who has done his trade overseas. It's a bit top-heavy Crusaders for me, but still a good group of coaches. That's uh, from Ken. It is 9.30 here on SENZ. Right, as we've uh, been talking about and hearing from Scott Robertson in the, the last half hour, he has confirmed his all-black coaching uh, group for 2024 onwards, in fact, from uh, November 1, looking forward. Uh, with no real surprises, um, they are, of course, Leon McDonald, Jason Holland, Scott Hansen, and uh, they'll be uh, joined by uh, Jason Ryan, who is the only one that survives the mix. Um, that is at this stage uh, led by Ian Foster. Uh, so did he get the mix right? Joining me now uh, to ponder those questions, look at uh, what is ahead for Super Rugby this weekend. There's a couple of classics uh, coming up. Is uh, well-known uh, commentator, uh, rugby pundit, Hamish Mackay. Hamish, good morning to you. Thanks for your time, mate. Morning, Smithy. Yeah, quite exciting, isn't it? The, uh, the, the, the team razor, although it's a bit like securing a date and then having to wait sort of six or eight months till you can go out on it. So, yeah, no, I'm excited by it, but, you know, it's, I still feel like we've got a pretty big, 
a bit of business to get through before then. That, that's what I, um, I'm trying to reiterate time after time, is that I, I for now, uh, now that that has all been settled and there's a few little... Um, uh, appointments within the, the backup staff etc to be done I wouldn't imagine they'd be too public but um, really really we should only now be hearing from Ian Foster's group shouldn't we in terms of the All Blacks going forward yep absolutely Ian Foster is the All Black coach uh, the assistants you know the, the McLeods and the Finks of this world are still in there and still part of it and uh, yeah I, I, I really actually don't want to hear too much about it and um, about the next lot coming in for, for now, okay, the way it's played out has been, you know, diabolical is one word, but um, okay, so um, I sort of sensed a bit of a, a grin on Mark Robinson's face in, in terms of, right, I've got this, the future secure, but how we got here was, was pretty damn ugly, and um, I think you'll probably see a, a, a what well, is not a sympathy vote, but it's a sort of a the nation has to get in behind Ian Foster and the team that he, he can run out at the Rugby World Cup. And with what we're seeing in Super Rugby, he's been dished up, in my view, with the likes of Roy Gard and that a couple of those sort of, you know, gems that landed in our lap in, like in 87 with Michael Jones and the likes and special players starting to, to put their hand up. So I'm not so sure that we're as far out of this as perhaps we thought we were six months ago. Totally agree. I, I absolutely totally agree. And and as you say, there's competition for places, and uh, it's uh, it's heating up, which is uh, outstanding. Uh, in terms of uh, Razor's mix, yep. do you think he's got it right? Is, are there any missing elements for you, or is, is that pretty predictable? What he's come up with with uh, Holland, with McDonald, with Ryan, with Scott Hansen. Is that how you saw it? Yeah, I, I think that was. It's always going to be, you know. I think we'll just be honest with Razor. There's nobody going to compete with Razor. So that immediately ruled out a Joe Smith. Um, they're all of a similar ilk, aren't they? Leon McDonald, uh, Ryan uh, Hanson and, and Alfie Holland, Jason Holland. They're all sort of uh, very similar in, in lots of respects. So, yeah, I, I, I think he's got it right. They'll just be sort of quiet men who'll get on behind in behind the scenes and get the job done. It's very different to kind of a Henry with a Hanson and Smith kind of combination with him, where you kind of almost had, well, you did, you had three very strong personalities in that group, whereas in this one, it's more sort of a, a, a very much, um, you know, it's Mick Jagger up front with a, with, a, with, with a band behind him without too many names in it, if you know what I mean. Uh, what would you call them? You know, good session musicians um, with a top front man. Yeah, it, it's it, it, you know he's a he is a good front man at this point he has, but he hasn't um, yep. he hasn't really had to deal with too much adversity. I mean he's he's coached a winning team with some terrific players, um, but I think he's gonna yep. I, I think he's gonna see a new side to rugby life though surely. Oh, you know I just hope he's sort of well armed for what comes next, which is you know. Uh, the acid, it just changes so quickly, you know. It just, the, for, for he's, had a, he's had a dream run, as you say. As Crusaders coach, well, you know, the, the, the blowtorch never comes out. Um, it probably should have when he made a couple of selection errors that year when it was the, the New Zealand only one that they lost or the second one that they lost and didn't make the final. Um, but it'll just be a whole new ball game in terms of all the love uh, look, if he keeps winning, the love will still be there. But if any time there's a loss as All Black coach, you're, you're under the you're under the pump. And um, 
it won't be. It's all over now in terms of what he's had so far, barring having uh, taken the Crusaders through to the title this time round. If he can do that, there'll be still some more sort of um, of the convivial and jovial kind of coverage that there is of Razor Robertson. But that will change. You're dead right about that, Smithy. Right. Let's look at possible Super Rugby replacements. Uh, are you hearing anything? Uh, I mean, uh, these these names yeah. now have been confirmed. So. We're looking at three super coaches all of a sudden. Do we stay within New Zealand? Do we go outside? Well, yeah. Look, I'm, I'm, I'm not again going offshore, but I, I mean, I think if, for instance, if if, if Dave Rennie's gone to Japan, and you can understand that Dave's at a stage, I suppose, in life where three or four years up there, and you you never have to lift it, you know, do another day's work, as opposed to being the the Blues coach, if that was what was possibly on the cards. Um, I don't know. Just, I mean, I'd, I'd hope that Joe Smith might have it in him to be available uh, to coach a team. I suggest he'd probably want to take over um, one that's at the, at the pointy end of the table. But um, I, I wonder about uh, the, the guys that have sort of uh, have now sort of gone from from the team that Ian Foster will have, well, they're still the coaches, of course, until sort of October, um, whether they kind of looking to put their hands up. But yeah, it does it does feel it does feel like I'm searching for names off the off the top of my head as to who's going to be next to sort of step into this because that's a that's a massive clean out of coaches from Super Rugby. Yeah, we've got a text in from uh, Ken to say, what about Wayne Pivak? Uh, what about the, the likes of uh, Pat Lamb? Uh, Andrew Goodman, uh, all coaches that, of course, uh, have plied their yep. trade overseas at some point. Andrew Goodman, uh, a close association with the Crusaders recently. Yeah, yeah, well, there's a good name. There's somebody with a solid, solid track record. But your Pat Lambs and your these other guys, I, I don't know what the actual package for a super rugby coach is, but it's not going to be... It's not going to compete with... Uh, you know your UK teams or your or your Japan teams, so that's always going to be a bit of a a bit of a challenging one um, for, for New Zealand rugby to secure their services. Yeah, look, look, somebody will come out of the woodwork. Hopefully, there's a surprise or two in there. Even, but you know, I know an Agar or somebody like that, but they're pretty ensconced now. At, uh, where's he, La Rochelle? And so, mm. yeah, interesting times. They are interesting times. Interesting times in Super Rugby. They need a bit of a, a, a big weekend, and they've got the possibility of that if you look at some of the matchups this weekend, um, uh, Hamish. Uh, of course, uh, the Blues are um, going to get some decent sun on their back, but they'll get a, a, a rugby welcome as well yep. in Lautoka. Yeah, yeah, that'll be interesting. <laughs> I, you know, regardless of the outcome, um, they, they'll know that they've, uh, they've been in a, in a hell of a... You know, encounter over there as as tends to be the case uh, with the Drua on home soil. Um, yeah, but Blues. I, I, I keep thinking. Well, I mentioned these guys. That, I mentioned Royguard before, and I, and I, I want to get your opinion if I could smother you on the likes of Zan Sullivan, who kind of scores tries that you wonder. Now, was that soft, easy, or was that something a little bit different? You know, has he got a little bit of something that's you know that we're looking for for the future? Yeah, got that. International X Factor. 
Well, you know what I, I look at, and it's the same sometimes when you look at um, sportsmen in other areas, he just seems to have a little bit more time than anyone, everyone else, Hamish. That, that's, you know, when I first saw him play, yeah. I thought, this guy's he sums this up pretty easily. He's, just, he's got that extra half second, that extra yard of space, uh, just to sum, yeah. and it looks smooth almost, natural. So that's what I saw in him uh, initially, and, um, you know, I don't think uh, he'll ever lose that trait. He, he's got... He's got um, He's got something X, X about him. There's no doubt about it, mate. So, um, possibility yeah, there, yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I'm looking, too, at the Chiefs and the Crusaders. Now, uh, this oh. is, uh, of course, Clayton McMillan has, has his role confirmed. He knows where he's going forward. Um, and uh, this is a beauty, an absolute beauty. And, of course, Chiefs winning the first one down there, uh, round one. Yeah, and not only did they win it, they, they, they absolutely thumped them in the end, didn't they? I'm, I'm sort of, um, I haven't got the two teams, and I don't think the two teams have been quite released yet, and I can't wait to see those and see some of the, see some of the heads to heads, and you know, but obviously, for some of these guys, I mean, obviously the first five eight battles, you know, they'd be, they're the two that are sort of head and shoulders above everybody else um, at the moment. That means I'm not safe to go into Taranaki at the moment, but um, Mackenzie and, and, and Mwanga. Uh, Stevenson, I want to see what he's got because. Um, with Perifetta perhaps being um, out for a length of time now, that'll sort of bring him closer to calculations for the for the fullback wing spot. And uh, yeah, just uh, you know, and then you just look at this Chiefs the Chiefs pack and go, well, why is it so good all the time? I wonder whether Luke Jacobson, I just you know those sort of shoulders of steel, just keeps delivering uh, week in week out. He's sort of part of the Part of the wider, the wider group, but not really in there. But yeah, look, it's it, it's 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 the next best thing to a, to a test match, isn't it? This game, Crusaders Chiefs. I had a, um, I'm not too popular at home, Smithy. There was a big dinner party. Well, a dinner party with about four groups of friends coming around, and I've canned the dinner party and said it's just I'll be doing a leg of lamb, uh, but a steak on the barbie, and the boys will be watching the footy. We won't be at the dinner table. So uh, anyway. That went down not too well, but I've got it over the line. That's the main thing. Oh, these modern women, I can't believe that. I, I, I can't <laughs> believe you'd un, be, un, be unpopular for that, Hamish Mackay, of all people. Oh, um, I know. Here's the thing. Oh, I know. Yeah. <laughs> I think your good lady knew exactly what she thought. When she married you, I think your good lady knew exactly what was coming rugby-wise, and that's uh, commitment. Commitment. Oh, I think so. <laughs> yeah. Hey, right, yeah, uh, yeah, talking yeah, of commitment... Absolutely. Big Julian Sevilla set to make his 150th appearance for the Hurricanes tomorrow. This has been an interesting story. Uh, he went off the radar, but his, his resurgence has been pretty good, Julian. I reckon. You know what? I reckon it's been one of the you know one of the one of the really good stories. You know, um, he's he, he, he the way he's come back, and he you know he got a bit angry and a little bit vocal with things, didn't he, when he was at um, Toulon and. But I just think that, you know, and again, I think Jason Holland's got a bit to do with that. He's just got in there and he's he's knuckled down. Um, you know, he's vulnerable to putting a bit of the, the he's not alone in that, a bit of the, a few extra kilos on. But he, I, I just think he's just weak. At, and he played those few games didn't he, in the midfield. Now, I reckon, you know, 10 out of 10 for what he's done. And he's sort of got, I think, used to the fact that he's not the, you know, the... the two or three try World Cup winning winger anymore but he's still got a hell of a good role to play and um, good on him 
Well, Hamish, uh, thanks very much for your insight this morning. I uh, always enjoy having a chat to you, mate, and I hope the dinner party goes uh, without too many problems. That would be nice. <laughs> it will be. Cheers, Molly. Thank you. Yeah, cheers. Hamish Mackay there with his thoughts on the new setup. Uh, no great surprises for him either, but uh, some interesting names coming forward for Super Rugby coaches, and of course uh, that is uh, the transitioning forward. That's uh, the next thing on the agenda. But it is now uh, time, uh, and we uh, agree on that. And uh, so to a number of our texts to say, right, uh, let's just get on with um, Super Rugby, and then the All Blacks uh, with Ian Foster and his group, and uh, let's go win this World Cup, eh? Um, now that um, the dust is all but settled, shall we say? Nine forty-five. Experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. You got to know when to hold them, know when to fold them. Smithy's multi. Know when to walk away, and know when to run. Bet live on your favourite sports. Download the TAB app today. Right, today uh, NBA action and it's getting very tense in some of those uh, mini-series including the one between Golden State and Sacramento tied up at two apiece at the moment. Golden State, I believe, will beat Sacramento today. The Splash Brothers will uh, come off, I think, the big three-point boys, uh, Curry and Clay Thompson. So uh, $1.78 for Golden State. Uh, also, I believe the Dodgers will beat uh, the Pittsburgh Pirates at seventy. And uh, I'm going to show the faith in my Tottenham Hotspur tomorrow morning to beat Manchester United uh, on the rebound after that embarrassing, embarrassing give-the-money-back-to-the-fans performance uh, the other day against Newcastle. So Tottenham to beat Man U at $2.70. Uh, Golden State Dodgers into Spurs, $8.17 is the return there. Uh, interesting uh, this morning, football results uh, in the EPL. Uh, key results too. Big result for Nottingham Forest knocking over Brighton. That was a bit of a surprise. 3-1. Chelsea going down again. They've still got uh, massive issues there with interim coaches and playing staff, etc. Um, and, uh, of course, they're now looking at perhaps relocating their stadium to the fact that um, it uh, might even uh, change the name. Incredible. Uh, Brentford 2, uh, Chelsea none. So that was um, the score this morning there. Liverpool got up and beat West Ham 2-1. Good result for them away. And uh, in the big clash, the one that everyone was watching, top of the table, Manchester City were way too classy for Arsenal. I mean, they were. Their strike power is um, undeniable. Haaland was just a giant there. Uh, De Bruyne was outstanding. And they knocked them over 4-1. 4-1 Manchester City beat Arsenal. So another massive step there uh, towards them taking out the title. 9.53 here on SENZ. Your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Yes, uh, we've got a very busy next hour coming up with uh, netball. We're going to talk to uh, Storm Purvis. Uh, competition hotting up there and a really classic match last Monday, which I'd like to hear who thoughts on the foot in both camps. Uh, we're also going to give you a pacing for purpose horse about uh, 10.30 along with chatting with Shane O'Brien from uh, Collier's Rural on uh, Agricultural Insights. Uh, once a month we like to go direct to uh, the men in charge and uh, Shane O'Brien is uh, one of those. Uh, we'll also uh, encourage your text still coming in, uh, some interesting ones. 
Razor may stop break dancing, but that's all that's changed about him. That's uh, from Mark coming in. Just remember the Chiefs beat the Crusaders at home last season, then the Mighty Champs went up there and got revenge. So possibility there of uh, a repeat from the Crusaders' point of view. Uh, we've got uh, all that coming up in the next hour, and then uh, after 11 o'clock, uh, we're going to hear from Jerome Pampalone, of course, uh, he's one of the fighters in Fight for Life tonight. Uh, of course, looking forward to perhaps purchasing that and putting the feet up and uh, watching some all-in brawling tonight, uh, particularly, of course, uh, Liam Messam up against Justin Hodges. It's going to be a ripper, uh, without doubt. Uh, yeah, so uh, that's coming up uh, in the next uh, two hours here on SENZ as uh, we head into the news with Aroha. Latest update on the quakes in Hawke's Bay, probably. are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Well, flexibility is uh, what you have to have in terms of uh, live radio, so we're going to have an about face, uh, really. We're going to go to Storm Purvis after 11 o'clock, so uh, that's cool. And uh, what we'll do is bring forward the uh, the interview that um, we have with Jerome Pampaline. Now, Jerome, of course, is the IBF Australasia light heavyweight champion. Uh, he spoke uh, last night with uh, Ricardo Ball on uh, the possibility of his defence tonight and uh, with uh, Mossy or, or Matangi Jr. Uh, it's part of the Fight for Life uh, features uh, tonight. Uh, of course, you can purchase that. Um, but yeah, you, if you do, you'll be watching Jerome Pampalone and he is, by all accounts, a very, very exciting prospect. Uh, here's an excerpt from that interview. This is SENZ and thanks to Build People, New Zealand's top talent recruiter, we have Jerome the Panther Pamplone with us in the studio uh, to talk the Fight for Life coming up April 27 at Event Finder Stadium. Jerome, welcome to the studio. Hello, hello. Thanks for having us, bro. Oh, mate, my pleasure, my pleasure. Big fight coming up against Mossy Almatangi Jr. Um, yep. How much do you know about Mossy? How much have you seen? Um, uh, we know a huge lot about Mossy, you know, as we've had like, heaps of stories going back and forth saying that... Um, we used to train with him, so I've known him pretty much my whole boxing career, you know. Um, and it's it's a, it's a great fight, you know. We know a bit about each other, so it, yeah, it looks out to be an exciting fight. Yeah, it'd be yeah. almost like getting in the ring with a brother. <laughs> Do you spend that much time training with? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, um, hundred percent. But it's a fight. As I keep saying, at the end of the day, it's a fight, and we're going in there to win. Yeah, yeah. Well, you're going in there. To, you got something to defend, too, something to fight for. Yeah. Defending the IBF Australasian light heavyweight title as well, mate. Um, yeah. How much does that mean to you? Oh, it means heaps. This is my first time defending it, and I get to do it um, in front of a home crown too, which just makes it a bit more 
bit more cooler, yeah. Yeah, now you also hold the IBF Australasian Cruiserweight and the NZPBC Cruiser titles, right? Mm. And you bounce between them. You beat Chucky Francis for those, I think, at Fight for Life last time round. Yeah, yeah. Um, so where are you between light, heavy, and cruiser? Have you got a preference? Are we going to see you concentrate on one, or are you still going to go between the two? No, nah, I think light, heavy is where I want to be. You know, that's my focus. I had an opportunity um, at the Cruiserweight Division. I, I gave it a go. Um, it went well, but now I've just I've just gone back to my normal weight. And I, I feel comfortable here and I feel strong, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that um, for you then, the, the, the light, heavy, uh, light heavy category, you're, you're fighting Mossy. After this fight, if you win this, he's 15-2-2. Two two. I think you're still unbeaten. Um, yeah. what's, what's next for you, or do you not look that far down the road? Um, I, I don't look that far, but my team, my team does. Um, I, as I always say, my focus is my, my fight ahead of me. But knowing there's... Um, this bigger fight ahead gives me that extra drive to do good in this fight. But um, hopefully after this fight, I get a top 15 fight. That, yep. That's the goal, to get a top 15 opponent and, yeah, go from there. Yeah, because, I mean, you, you've, you've got a ranking now too, right? I mean, so that is something that you've got to, you've got to cherish, but then you've also got to build on because as e- easy as it comes, it can go as well. Yeah, so I'm, I'm eighth at the moment. So, um, yeah, the hard work's really paying off, man. I'm, I'm just enjoying what I'm doing and I'm just trusting trusting my team, trusting my ability and staying focused, yeah. Yeah, now one of the things that, you, that I guess is a little bit different, a little bit out of the box maybe for some New Zealand fighters like yourself is that you get to train with champions like DJ Forbes, right? I know yeah. he's been training at, at Pitch yeah. Boxing. Yeah. What have you been able to take from him? Obviously, he's learned a lot of boxing stuff from mm. you, but what have you been able to take from him? He's, he's just a cool dude. You know, this is the first time we've met him properly and we're around him every day. But um, he comes in every day wanting to, to learn and train hard. And we can see that, you know... What you got to do is train hard and you reap the rewards from it. Yeah, I mean, the guy's a six-time world champion. He's got a Commonwealth gold medal as well. Um, how much mindset stuff did you find is different from uh, from him? Have you, from have you, who, pe- sorry? From, from DJ, you know, like that, that mindset of, I guess, I know it's a team sport versus a, an individual sport, but is that something that you've talked about? Um now and then. So, like, we've only, we've only known him for about a month or two. So, yeah, it's, it's brief conversations, but... Um, yeah, no, knowing him, having him around, it's cool. It's cool to have his um, him around. Really, yeah, it's yeah. just cool to have him around. Yeah, he also is a possessor of a magnificent beard. Do you guys uh, <laughs> exchange beard tips? <laughs> He's got the beard for sure, bro. And he gets some tips hard out. <laughs> get some length back in there. Get some length back in there, um, Jerome. I mean, this this night uh, we're going to see a bunch of um, fights between you know, former rugby players and former rugby league players. Mm. And then we've got three pro fights on the yeah. card as well. How do you look at guys that do what, say, DJ and Liam are doing um, versus what you do? Um, it's, it's it's mean, you know, what they're doing there, um, like they keep saying, they're coming out of their comfort zone, they're trying something new. Um, and this is just something that we do every day, but it may seem a bit different for someone else coming in. But... Um, it's, it's, it's awesome to share share the event with um, such great people and you know they're, they're big idols to a lot of the the Kiwis a lot of New Zealanders mm. um, so having having them on the card and also having Andre and me on the card it's it's it just it just um, it's going to be an awesome night yeah especially having me a fight for our first world title as a main event and yeah I'm looking forward to it mm. I was training in a gym one day 
this is a while ago, and I just heard this ripping sound, and I'm like, what the hell is that? So I stopped what I was doing, and I look around, and there's uh, a trainer wearing a body pad, and Mia throwing hooks yeah. to the body, and that's what's making that ripping sound. <laughs> I'm like, I've never heard anything like that in my life. Just how hard does she yeah. hit? She hits hard, bro. She she hits real hard. You'll find out come next week how hard she hits, man. She's been training hard, and... We all know she's going to do great. Mm. Yeah, nah, it'd be great to have another champion in the stable as well. Yeah. I mean, because obviously David Light's in the stable as well. He's a fought at Cruiserweight. He's just had a, a world title fight, which unfortunately didn't go yeah. his way. Uh, but man, that the, the Peach Gym is just go, is growing, and it's excellence mm. upon excellence. Hundred percent. That's that's what it's all about. Um, it's an individual sport, but we're we're there every day together. You know, we're sharing all the hard times in the in the. In the training sessions, and then we all get to celebrate at the end. Yeah, 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 fantastic, man. Well, listen, I hope to see you get your arm raised in the ring, uh, come fight for life again, man, and and and, and get that first um, defence under your belt as well, yeah. eh? No, thank you, appreciate. It. I can't wait. It's going to be fantastic, uh, Jerome. The Panther Pamplone. You can catch him at Fight for Life, April twenty seven at Event Finder Stadium. Thanks to Build People, New Zealand's top talent recruiter. Cool. All right, now we'll just do these 10 questions. Yep. Right. Sweet. Cool. Sweet. <laughs> and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. It's Harness Racing New Zealand Pacing for Purpose Season 2. Right, it's uh, time for our Pacing for Purpose uh, horse, and uh, that is uh, tonight being uh, Thursday. Yes, it's at Cambridge, 8.17. It is race eight, uh, number nine, Mr. President. Uh, its form uh, is reads pretty good, uh, fair attempts in the last couple, uh, drawn to cover no extra ground, so it's an upset chance. Uh, we will be driven by uh, Todd Mitchell, trained by Anna Donnelly. So uh, that is uh, our horse for tonight. Mr. Pe- uh, Mr. President, race eight, number nine, and of course uh, all proceeds uh, from that success, we hope, will go towards uh, Women's Refuge, which is our charity of choice. At the moment, breakfast has 680 bucks. We've got 837.50, afternoons 490, and the run home are booming ahead at $1,413 and 50 cents and of course in terms of harness uh, you can join Mick and Greg every Sunday from 11am uh, to uh, listen to Trot's talk uh, courtesy of Harness Racing New Zealand and uh, you can get involved there too uh, leasing a, a horse maybe or get involved with racing a horse um, you can get all that information at uh, harnessracing.co.nz right so just before we finish on the boxing I thought I might go across to our pugilist uh, expert uh, that, of course, is Brian Rariri, who's uh, up to date on everything UFC and fighting around the world as such. Um, the other fights on the card tonight, Brian, uh, that perhaps you are looking forward to, we've just heard from Jerome Pampelone, but, of course, is uh, Mia Motu in a title fight against Tanya Walters. Justin Hodges, Liam Messam, everyone's looking forward to that, of course. Andre Mikhailovich, uh, Edison Saltaran. Uh, we've got DJ Forbes and Sione Fomawina. And Sam Tuitopo and Roy Asatasi. What do you look? What are the standouts there for you, Brian? Um, outside of those p- three professional bouts, which should be incredible, uh, I I, th- I think the sleeper fight here. Because yeah, you're right. Everyone's going on about Justin Hodges and Liam Messam. Liam Messam might be going to pro boxing uh, on the back of this. Justin Hodges knocked down uh, Paul Gallen in their three way fight that they had uh, not that long ago. But the sleeper fight for me is Roy Asatasi, the former Kiwis captain, versus Sam Slamming Sam Tuitupo. Now why? 
I, I'm looking at this one is because Roy Asatasi, he used to be huge. He's slimmed down and is now a CrossFit freak. Um, slamming Sam Tuitupo used to be a little bit skinny but always went hard. He's quite bulked up now because of his time in England pushing, pushing the tin. And uh, we know that he goes all out at everything he does and Roy's going to be extremely fit. Slamming Sam's... Uh, going in with a game plan to knock Roy out. So right from the start, I uh, wouldn't blink because I think it's this one is going to be the sleeper fight on the card, Smithy. Okay, I look forward to that because they say, uh, all uh, the experts say that uh, no one hits harder and or was hitting harder in the gym, etc., in rugby terms than Sam Tuitupo. Um, he had the punch. He was the, the sleeper, as you say. So that's a fight to look forward to. Of course, the headline act uh, for the first time um, in Fight for Life will be a women's fight. Uh, our very own Mia Moto against Tanya Walters. And that is for the uh, IBO World Super Bantamweight title. So and a title fight. Dean Lonergan continues to put these great matchups together. A lot of talk about uh, the future of Pampelona and Mikhailovich as well. So you would expect uh, on form they would account for these two uh, opponents there, Edison Salterin and um, Mossi Uomatangi uh, Jr. But uh, I will say that uh, neither of those two guys have lost the fight either. Uh, so whoever um, loses loses between those two, and those two bouts <coughs> will be um, encountering their first loss in their careers. So yeah, well, as they say, Smithy, Smithy, as they yep. say, somebody's O's got to go. Someone's O's got to go. I like it. I like it, Brian. Uh, thank you very much for that. Um, so that is uh, available, of course, on Sky, Sky Go or Sky Arena tonight. I think it's about thirty-nine ninety-five if you're uh, interested in Fight for Life and, of course, uh, supporting uh, the Mike King cause as well, which is I Am Hope Foundation, which is absolutely fantastic. Right, uh, Logan, now um, you had uh, something else line, lined up for me, but the shakes have uh, knocked my memory out of it. So just, uh, just uh, introduce it for us, will you? First of all, I mean, we're hearing in the news how many aftershocks have, there have been. Are you feeling it where you are? Not really. Um, I think they're very minimal. Uh, so I haven't, apart from what happened yesterday about this time, I haven't, um, haven't really felt uh, too much at all. So no, uh, I think uh, they, everything registers and there's, uh, they say, uh, towards 100 of um, little shocks, but no one, I think, is commenting too much on those. So that's been cool. That has been absolutely cool. That's good. Well, yeah, last night, uh, our usual show that looks at the Blues, Blues Brothers with Steve Devine and normally Ricardo Ball, but he's uh, looking out for the run home at the moment. So it, it is with uh, Mark Watson. Steve Devine pulled a few uh, strings and was able to get Andrew Hoare on, the Blues CEO. And the really cool thing about this, Smithy, is it is a, it's such an open, honest chat. Uh, Watto described it as probably one of the best rugby interviews he's heard in a while, uh, we'll be putting the full interview up on the SCNZ YouTube channel later today. But he had a lot of there's a lot of you know conjecture around the media and, and fans at the moment about the fan experience in Super Rugby and how Super Rugby can compete with the likes of the NRL and the product that they're putting out there. And he had a lot to say about it. This is just a little small uh, snippet of that. We've got to make sure that we don't rush to a solution without fixing some of the problems elsewhere in the system uh, and and make sure that when we bring sides in such as the Sumwolves or any of those teams that if we're talking about the collective TV revenue that we currently have and I say both Australia and New Zealand combined 
that they get a part of that that gives them a, a kicker to get started. As it, as, it, as it stands at the moment, we're still um, keeping ourselves very split from one another as nations, and, and that division is, is actually uh, damaging the competition. Andrew, are you saying that uh, in this draft system that we should have our New Zealand players playing possibly in Australian teams and and Japanese teams and, and to make the pool even? Yeah, I, I haven't actually... I, I, I haven't thought that much about it. I'm thinking more, you guys go straight to draft. I think the reforms need to be broader than that. The reforms need to be the 12 agreeing to standards of development... The 12 agreeing to, and the national bodies, to some kind of equalisation in incomes. The 12 working together, uh, as you've seen with regard to the rules uh, this year where we work together and, and there's been an improvement. So don't chase straight to draft because mm. draft isn't the thing that's going to save us. It'll be one of probably a number of things that the 12 need to sit down and sort out how we're going to make this competition extremely competitive. And that could be one thing. So I think that's important. And I think what you've seen, um, you know, if you look at NRL and AFL in Australia, uh, in 1996, they were generating 8 million and 15 million respectively. And Australian rugby was generating for super then. Uh, for the, for the, sorry, for rugby wallabies in super about $100 million. Hmm. Today, Aussie's generating about the same, uh, Aussie rugby, but a, NRL and AFL are making over $400 million hmm. because they started to get the league to work as a league. What other significant changes um, would you like to see, mate? Yeah, no, so for me, it's, it's around the 12 working together. There's no doubt that uh, the fans got to be at the centre. I think that the broadcast revenue's got to be separated out. It's got to be split so that clubs are held to a certain amount of marketing spend, etc., and also uh, on 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 player salaries. And I'd also look uh, to move the um, super season uh, further into the year out of February uh, and own that winter space and go head to head with NRL uh, because it is a better game in, in, our, in our opinion. And, and traditionally in this country has been. Um, the dominant game. So there's no reason when you've got that much participation that you can't, you can't. The game's not dead, it's just ill. Mm, the game's not dead. Save, uh, save, emotive words like dead and save and those sorts of things. Quite interesting. So, uh, yeah, Andrew Hall with, with some concerns quite clearly, but wanting to make it an even competition, an even one. Yeah, I I find that quite interesting, and I know a lot of people have kind of suggested in the past that potentially there's the idea that you actually scrap Super Rugby as it is, and I guess elevate NPC to more of that level. And I mean, you kind of he draws comparisons to the NRL and the AFL and how they've been able to sort of just grow and improve over the years. I mean, there's a lot of, we all, you know, we talk about a lot, a lot of tribalism uh, there, you know, AFL. Uh, there's so many teams just within the greater Melbourne area alone, and it kind of represents your suburb, and it's the same in the NRL as well, you know, the portions of Sydney or parts of, you know, other parts of New South Wales and Queensland and, of course, here in uh, uh, New Zealand that are represented. So we have that attachment and we have that loyalty. 
if you do that with Super Rugby, I mean, that might be one way of going about it. I do like his thought process there, though, Smithy, of we need to be, we need to work as a team. We don't don't think about the, na- the national side of things. Like, yes, the Super Rugby teams do work to feed into the national teams, but they need to work together as a league to make it the best possible uh, entertainment product. And the one interesting thing there is this whole idea of, of course, the draft, the draft and everything is the idea of separating the New Zealand playing pool so that they're going to play for the Aussie team. They could be playing for the Aussie or Japan teams as well. Or, or maybe in the Pacific teams. Who knows? If it's an open book to bring those players in, you then have to change the rules that, you know, you have to play in New Zealand to be selected for the All Blacks. It's, it opens up so many cans of Wormsmithy and... Uh, like like Andrew Hall did say there on Blues Brothers, you, you kind of have to look at all things to try and, you know, fix. You can't just go for a quick fix and think that's it, that's it, it's done. Well, it's a bit broken in New Zealand at the moment if you talk about player spread. Uh, look at the Highlanders. Um, you know, uh, they're a, a team that uh, at the moment is, is really struggling. Uh, there's no secret about that. Clark Dermody uh, and his coaching staff are giving it their best shot, but they just don't appear to have uh, the depth of talent that the, the other four franchises have available to them. So um, they're lagging. They're, mm. they're lagging. They'll make the playoffs um, because the competition is broken in that regard. Um, you, you can't have uh, eight teams qualify for a playoffs in a 12-team competition. <laughs> uh, it just makes it the, such an easy gig to get through. Uh, the other spread, of course, and are we seeing the spread um, evenly in terms of Moana Pacifica? I mean, uh, I don't know we are. I mean, to me, that's uh, the sixth pick team because um, th- those players uh, recognise to become All Blacks, and that is the goal of getting through Super Rugby. To become an All Black, you've got to play for the top franchises. You've got to t- play for the franchises that win, uh, the ones that get the headlines, the ones that make the playoffs. They're the ones that um, you, you're going to make your ground out of. And therefore, you get uh, into a situation where if uh, those players that miss the cut uh, at home uh, go for... Uh, the overseas will spread into a draft for the overseas ones. Really, uh, they're only going for the money because um, you know any any fledgling team coming in, um, uh, you know, just say it's a, a, a team coming from uh, Japan or whatever. Uh, any new team coming in, uh, they're going to take time. They're going to take a lot of time to get up to speed. I mean, we're we're not looking like the Dolphins here, where they're going to come in and be top of the mm-hmm. table after four rounds. We're talking about a side that's going to really struggle. Uh, the other thing to look at too is what happens in World Cup years because this can't continue where you have patchwork teams uh, playing week after week and then you have a bye situation uh, where you only get two or three games of rugby, of super rugby, and then you're competing with rugby league which uh, chucks eight or nine games at you uh, with the expansion that they're going to have as well. Eight or nine games which are even, eight or nine games uh, which um, have flow to them, they have ball and play a lot more. That's what the, when he says uh, saving the game, that, that to me, uh, and saving the competition, they are more the issues for me, the game itself, because if the game is more attractive, if the game is more um, even and competitive, uh, the saving side of it will, should look after itself with our mm. history uh, of supporting rugby union. No, that's, that's a very valid point, Smithy. Uh, I, one thing before we go to the 10.30 news, I wanted to th- go back to uh, Razor's presser that we uh, played out earlier in the show. And he was asked about, you know, this whole idea of, you know, Rugby Australia, Eddie Jones, you know, trying to raid the NRL cupboard and, you know, 
try and lure players over. We're now hearing like Payne Haas, Nathan Cleary, those kind of guys are getting targeted. I feel like Razor to me, he was incredibly measured in his response, but also it, it kind of seemed to me that he is considering it. What do you think? Yeah, look, he said don't close the door on any idea, basically. Um, you know, you've got to think out of the square. You've got to think that that'll be a possibility one day. Um, I agree. Uh, I agree with um, with that as well. You, you get all this talent. I mean, uh, and here's a player that he's looking at right here and now, okay? Richie Moonga. Richie Moonga is going to go and play in Japan, so he's lost to Razor uh, going forward initially. Um, so he's out of the uh, he's out of the mix. Um, Bowden Barrett's another one, uh, although getting a little bit long in the tooth. Bowden, sorry uh, if I've upset you there. Uh, but here's the thing. Um, that's the type of player. It's the Richie Moonga player who has served him so well at the Crusaders. He knows his game. He trusts him. He would dearly love to have Richie Moonga uh, available to him going forward, particularly in his first year as all-black coach. That's the kind of thing he's saying. Uh, let's just not close the door on those players going overseas because some of them are going over at a relatively young age and still have so much to contribute to uh, New Zealand rugby and all-black rugby. Well, I like his thinking there. I, I don't think you can close your ideas on it because, for me, at the end of the day, you want to see the best players playing. And if they're based overseas, but you can get back, them back into the all-black fold, not an issue for me. Uh, 10.31 here on SENZ. We'll be talking uh, real estate very shortly. With the very latest in rural news, this is Ag Insights on Mornings with Ian Smith. Collier's Rural and Agribusiness. Licence REAA 2008. Well, every week on SENZ in the mornings, we take a look at uh, the headlines impacting uh, the rural community. But towards the end of each month, we like to bring in one of our friends from uh, Collier's uh, to find out more about their business and how they work within the relative communities that they're based in. Uh, and it's my pleasure to welcome back, actually, Shane O'Brien. We had Shane uh, uh, on the show uh, last month. Uh, of course, uh, he's from uh, Collier's Rural. Uh, Shane, good morning to you. Morning, Smithy. How are you? Yeah, I'm going well, man. Um, Collier's going well, too, I would imagine. It, it's a huge global business. Tell, tell us a wee bit about the size, the structure of, of uh, Collier's Global and how you got started in terms of the rural and agribusiness uh, where you are down there in Christchurch. Thanks, Smithy. Yeah, look, it's a, it's a great story to, to tell, actually. And, and whilst Collier's itself started in 1976 in Adelaide and we're named after a, a well-known person in the property industry over there called Ron Collier, we can, in fact, trace our history back 125 years to 1898, Smithy, if you can believe it, to a company called Macaulay Nichols, uh, which was founded in Vancouver in, in uh, Canada. And uh, in 1984, Macaulay Nichols uh, merged with Collier's International to become known as Collier's International. And at that point, we're 522 offices in 62 countries. So we truly are a, a global brand, um, and, we're, and we're very proud of that. And so we traded under the name of Collier's International up until just a couple of years ago, and we're now just known as Collier's uh, here in New Zealand. So, um, so 125 years of uh, sort of international real estate experience in behind our brand, and in, um, and we started in New Zealand as a, a commercial offering in 1989. And one of the people who started the company back then, Smithy, was a guy called Mark Sinnott, who's been our CEO for the last 25 years. And Mark's just stepped down uh, this week, actually, and handed over uh, handed over the reins. And um, 
and under Mark's uh, guidance, he was very keen to get the Collier's brand involved into the rural and agribusiness space. Uh, we were quite a successful um, brand in Australia, and uh, were keen to see us do the same in New Zealand. So it was in 2015 we started the Collier's rural and agribusiness brand here in uh, New Zealand, uh, with uh, myself and Ruth Hodges starting the brand in Christchurch. And pretty quickly we opened in Hawke's Bay and then up your way there. And then we've, uh, the next um, offering was we bought in a company called Crichton Anderson Property and Infrastructure, which were uh, specialist rural registered valuers. Um, so, yeah, and then uh, in about 2018, Warwick Sewell joined, joined us bringing our specialist forestry um, sales uh, division to the brand as well. So, yeah, so... 125 years behind the brand and since 2015 here in New Zealand. Tell me, uh, Shane, more about um, the role you've, you place uh, with, with um, you know, your relative customers, uh, your, your, your specialised areas, and particularly in terms of advice. Yeah. Now, we pride ourselves on giving very good, well-researched specialist advice but the, um, our clients are making big decisions when they go to sell their farms, and I think I, I mentioned it last time with you, and I've used the word legacy, and lots of people say you're selling the farm, but it's not just your farm, it's, it's your home, it's your business. It's often your legacy in terms of you, you, you may be the second, third, or even fourth generation to have owned and, and, and run the land. So it's really important that we give really good advice. Um, and so we tend to look at ourselves as advisors, um, and, 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 and we're often part of the process working along with our clients for, you know, anywhere up to 12 months in some cases before the property actually gets to the market. Making sure we've got everything right. Because um, you can imagine the, there's a lot of moving parts in some of these big farms, the big dairy enterprises, the big cropping, big cropping farms, the big horticultural and forestry um, offerings. You know, there, there's a lot to understand. There's a lot to get right. And, and if we get these things right, we're making sure we're getting the best outcomes for our clients. And that's what we're here for, really, when it's all said and done. One of the interesting things in today's lifestyle that we lead is uh, there are more opportunities for youth to go out and branch in different directions. It used to be the case that uh, when you were born into a farming family, um, at some point you just take over the farm. Um, and, and as yeah. you say, you've become fourth, fifth, sixth generation farmers. Maybe not quite the case as often these days. That's a really good, really good point, Smithy. Yeah, that's not the case. Um, you know, often the the elder son inherited the farm, and that was just sort of like a rite of passage. But nowadays, it's a matter of treating all siblings uh, fairly. Um, and so that's seen uh, I, I probably, I, I guess, a, a different strategy being adopted by families around succession planning. And, you know, it's a term that gets thrown around a lot, but in, in the rural space, it's really, really important because, you know, we're talking millions of dollars in terms of asset value and, and making sure that you don't burden the next generation. Or, but, but also, you know, we now work in a very... Will work and live in a very global space, if you like. So the opportunity for families and farming families, in particular, to get away overseas and to look at other uh, other forms of income and life lifestyles is um, it's never been so, I suppose, easy. So again, that's bringing a talent into that whole succession planning, and also that probably raises the question, which is a, a really big issue, I think, facing New Zealand farming: is where's the next generation of farmers coming from? Yeah, that, that is an interesting point, actually. 
and and uh, what are the, the style of, of farming that they're going to bring when they actually uh, that generation comes through because as you pointed out you've got cropping you've got so many other varieties of farming that uh, have branched away or added on to uh, the traditional uh, roles of farming of course which uh, dry stock farming or dairy etc uh, one of the in- other interesting things and I was, I was having a beer last night with um, a stock agent and a couple of farmers and we were talking about the pressure on farmers financially these days and I would imagine Shane that is an issue you have to look at all the time because it is impacting and hurting a lot of people. That's exactly right Smithy. yeah that's exactly right and, and look, farming's not the only industry that's sort of under the pump but look, it really is at the moment and so much of the in, in farming unlike other businesses you can't control you know you put the ram out uh, in the first part of the year to to, to produce lands that you really don't know what you're going to get paid for at the end, but end of the year, um, you know, we're very uh, influenced by the weather, you know, and, and you only need to look in, in your sort of neck of the woods there, Smithy, to see mm. what that's done to farming. Um, so there's got all these variables that, you know, uh, impact on farming, and finance is definitely one of them, and I guess it's all intertwined in, in, in there, and it does, it does put a lot of pressure on. And the other thing that sort of goes hand in hand in that is the more, the more bureaucracy in farming, there's more and more compliance being heaped on our farmers in terms of what they can and can't do with their land, and we've never had that in generations gone by. So it's, it's you know, if you talk to a lot of farmers, and, and I, I'd almost bet they came out of um, your conversation last night, it's not the fun industry it used to be anymore for some people because of all that compliance and the financial pressure and regulation that goes with that. So, and I think that's causing a lot of people some consternation, and it's been it's certainly part of the discussions we have with people in terms of when they're making the decision to, to to sell the property. And it's not always because of that, but it's it's often not far from the from the you know, the back of their mind. Yeah, I mean, uh, just for instance, emissions. Emissions is not a uh, is not um, uh, an issue to be to be um, cast aside lightly if you're looking to buy a property or if you're, you've got to take all those sorts of things into account. I mean that is a hot issue. Yeah. It is. That's right. And the buyers are picking up on that. You know, the, you know what's your carbon footprint? Greenhouse gas emissions. Uh, uh, farm environmental plans. You know, what's your what, um, what's your overseer report? Um, you know what you're doing around your nutrient management and uh, nutrient budgeting. So all these sort of things, and it's quite complicated and scientific sort of stuff. So to get the right answers, you know, farmers are spending a lot of money with you know good, reliable consultants to do that. So you know, you talk about financial pressure; it's just another cost that goes into the you know, to the running of the farm to make sure they're compliant. Well, Collier's Rural Agribusiness uh, folks have uh, offices uh, in Bay of Plenty, Waikato, Hawke's Bay, Taranaki, Wairarapa, Manawatu, Tasman, Marlborough, Otago, Southland, and if you're in the Canterbury region, uh, you are listening to and have been listening to the man you need to get hold of, Shane O'Brien. Shane, thanks for your time, um, and uh, good luck going forward with some, some really big and successful sales. Thanks very much, Smithy. Great to be here, and uh, look forward to catching up again soon. Yeah, cheers. Uh, Thank you, Shane. Uh, Have a terrific day. It is 10.42 here on SENZ. With the very latest in rural news, this is Ag Insights on Mornings with Ian Smith. Profit from the best advice with Collier's Rural and Agribusiness. Licence REAA 2008. Before we do, uh, Logan, you've got an update on something? I do. Uh, this coming from New Zealand Cricket in the last 10-15 uh, minutes. They've announced the New Zealand Under-19 squad 
to play in the World Cup qualifiers. The next generation of New Zealand's cricketing talent has been selected for that Darwin tournament that represents the East Asia-Pacific qualifying route for the next uh, ICC Men's Under-19 Cricket World Cup that is going to be hosted in Sri Lanka uh, in 2024. The 14-strong side blends a host of players who represented their major associations at the recent National Under-19 tournament in Lincoln with the next cycle of under-19 age players coming through the New Zealand cricket age group system. Assistant coach Paul Wiseman said a high standard of performances at age group national tournaments guided their selection. Uh, One key one here that I'll highlight for you, Smithy. The squad does include Otago league-spinning all-rounder Zach Cummin, son of... Craig, the rest of wow. the, yeah, the rest of the crop. That's uh, great. Rest of the yep. squad follows is Bent Brent. Uh, sorry, Ben Brent Meyer from Canterbury, Sam Claude from Northern Districts, Zach coming from Otago, Raman Hickmart from Auckland, Oscar Jackson from Wellington, Tom Jones Auckland, Josh Oliver Auckland, Cameron Paul Canterbury, Snahid Reddy from Northern Districts, Ewald Schroeder from Northern Districts, Lockie Stackpole from Auckland, Ollie to Tiwa Tia from Wellington, Alex Thompson from Wellington, and Ryan Sorgas from Wellington. And there's uh, a few reserves named as well. It's going to be head coached by Johnny Bassett-Graham with support from Graham Albridge as the bowling coach and Paul Wiseman staying on as an assistant coach. Interesting. Um, I haven't heard of uh, Johnny Bassett-Graham, did you say, before? That's a new name to me in uh, coaching um, circles in New Zealand cricket. I think the reason they have to go through this qualifying process normally um new zealand sides would be automatic uh, entries but we didn't go to the last one um new zealand cricket didn't send a team to south africa i believe uh, that was during covid and they decided that it was uh, too tough on um people of that age young men of that age to have to go through the covid uh, processes per, uh, particularly in terms of re-entry back into new zealand so uh, they decided uh, that was the path there so we needed to uh, go back into uh, the qualifying side of things. So I'll be interested to follow that through actually a little bit more um, in the coming days and just to look at the makeup of that squad. Yes, but congratulations to the Cumming family, two very talented young cricketers there, and Jacob and Zach Cumming. Right, uh, let's get through. Um, in fact, no, we'll take a break now um, and uh, we'll do those texts uh, in the next hour uh, because I need to talk to uh, Louis Herman Watt uh, and have a visit to the TAB. Agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. The loveracing.nz update. Your home for everything thoroughbred racing. Visit loveracing.nz. Racing's biggest fan. Right, uh, just about an hour and a bit down the road from where Louis Herman Watts sits uh, in uh, Christchurch. Uh, uh, the races today are at uh, Timaru, which I believe is Farlap Raceway. Uh, Louis, good morning to you. He went all right, didn't he, Smithy? He's a reasonable horse, reasonable horse. That's right. Um, and I think it's probably fair to say there might not be too much at Farlap Raceway today that could rival... The great one, but they're going to go around and they'll do so. There's a nice meet, actually, ten races on the cards. It's a good four down there, which is awesome. And I tell you what, it's an absolute corker in the mainland today. It's beautiful, blue sky every which way. So I imagine it's much the same down there, Timaru. And uh, and the first is one of the shortest ones on the card. I went through the whole card last night trying to find a little bit of um, 
something. And I just thought that the thing that jumped out to me was far out. These markets are very even. But there's a horse, Mystic Park, that was very good in a trial and then uh, ran a nice second in its debut. Gets the low barrier, which will definitely help on a good four there on the first of the day. Joe Camarudin's a, a pretty handy type of rider as well. So for the Pitmans, that shorty might start your day the right way. Other than that, Smithy, it was a bunch of even fields, but I did notice that our man Michael McNabb jumped on the plane, so nobody is going to accuse him of sleeping on the job when trying to win this premiership. No, that's true. And uh, just very quickly, Louis, uh, being Thursday, we're only two days away from weekend racing. What's, uh, what's the highlights to look forward to, please? Uh, the Travis Stakes Group 2 at Tarapa, $120,000 weight for age for the, the mares, and there is one filly. Uh, Sakura Girl with man Michael McNabb's going to take on the older horses and um, look she, she was great all the way through she started favourite in the Oaks so I understand why Ben Foot has, has got her here but aromatic in career best form from a decent alley with Opie Boston she bet most of these mares last start I think they were they, they saw us coming so they've only opened her at about $2.70 but she'd have to be close to the bet of the day I think Good on you, Louis, and congratulations um, on your successful piece of information yesterday. Much uh, much uh, gratitude uh, involved in that. Have a terrific day, mate. Um, from a TAB point of view, uh, I'll give you the odds for the fight for life tonight, shall I? Yes, I will. Uh, Andre Mikhailovich is $1.07 to beat Edison uh, Soltarin at 7 bucks. DJ Forbes is a $1.35 favourite to beat Tizioni Fomoina at $3. Jerome Pampalone. A dollar fifteen. We've heard from Jerome before, uh, and uh, his opponent Mossy Ormatangi Junior is five dollars. Uh, Liam Messam a dollar sixty-seven uh, to beat Justin Hodges at two dollars ten. That's uh, an interesting one. Uh, Sam Tuitopo, slight outsider. Um, uh, Sam at two dollars. Roy Asotasi is a dollar seventy-five, and in the women's uh, title fight. Uh, Mia Motu is hot favourite here, a dollar twenty to beat Canadian Tanya Walters at four dollars fifty. Hmm, interesting odds. The draw options there available to you, and they're big money, um, as you would expect. But uh, they are the fight for life odds for tonight. So get on board and show uh, a little bit of interest in that regard. Right, uh, we promised you Storm Purvis this morning, and uh, hopefully we will deliver on that promise just after eleven o'clock. We'll also uh, have a visit to the sports desk and have a stump smithy uh, in the next hour coming up here on SENZ. You succeed in your field. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Rightio, uh, instead of uh, Storm Purvis, uh, who's uh, unavailable to us at the moment, I understand uh, she might be at the physio. Uh, so we hope uh, Storm uh, comes uh, good on that. Uh, we still have to talk netball because it's at a very interesting stage. We're round nine of the ANZ Premiership passes off this Saturday with some great matchups across the three days, including a top-of-the-table clash, which sees the Mystics travel down to Christchurch to play the Tactics, uh, who have been on fire with some slick combinations and players putting their names forward for higher honours. And, of course, there's a World Cup in uh, Cape Town starting in July. Not too far away, is that? Sort of been overlooked a wee bit, hasn't it? Uh, so uh, let's get Kezer on instead, shall we? Shall we get Kezarin to talk a little bit of netball? Kez? Morena, Mr. Keen? Stockley. How are you, Morena? Yeah, good morning, Morena, to you. Uh, right, okay, here are the questions that I uh, had lined up for Storm. First of all, uh, we talk about the NRL um, having some great matchups. How about that one last uh, Monday night, Monday night netty? 
uh, went to overtime and the Stars upsetting the Mystics. Yeah, Mystic Stars. It was a 7.35 game, Smithy, so it was already a little bit later than what we're used to on a Monday. Uh, and then obviously once they got through that double extra time, of uh, it's the first time in ANZ Premiership history that extra time has extended. And it seemed for a second that nobody really knew what to do. I mean, we saw Grace Wickey walk off the court and sort of ask the umpire, where do we go from here? And the umpire said to her, time doesn't matter. It's the first team to win by too. So Smithy, I was thinking Jeepers is going to be a horrible morning for me on Staffy. Uh, I don't think I'm going to get to bed because these two teams could be here all night. So final score was 77-79, something that we're definitely not used to seeing even though we are in the goal shoot heavy era of ANZ Premiership Netball. Well that was uh, a little bit of an upset. Just uh, recapping on uh, other results uh, last weekend uh, the Mystics had a double header. They got up uh, over the Magic, uh, which was interesting. But the Stars, uh, prior to, uh, of course, uh, the victory over the Mystics, had been beaten quite uh, well in a close one as well by the Central Pole 64-62. Yeah, look, Smithy, the Premiership is really exciting right now. The Northern Stars currently sit fourth on the table. But let me just paint the picture for you here. The Stars are in fourth. The Mystics are in first. The Mystics are three clear of the uh, second place tactics but the Stars and the Tactics are only one point so the Tactics are on 21 as well as the Pulse and then you just have the Stars sitting there nicely uh, just one point behind those two teams so it was a big weekend for the Stars indeed Smithy these uh, extra games that we're having is due to the World Cup we're throwing an extra round and means every week uh, two teams are going to be playing the double header now there's been sort of discussion, Smithy, around whether you play the Saturday, then the Monday, or the Sunday and the Monday. Because to me, I think teams have more of an advantage when they play the Sunday-Monday games instead of having that day in between where they sort of have to rest and recover. But it's a weird stage because you know and your body knows that you're going to be suiting up and playing uh, in the next day. So, look, the Stars are still playing some really exciting netball, Smithy. We've been catching up with a few of them, Storm and I, on Centre Pass uh, every Tuesday night. And, and the stars seem happy. They seem connected. We spoke to Mila Riulu Buchanan, who's a mid-quarter for the stars. She believes this is the tightest set the group has ever been. So it's really exciting for stars fans. And you're right, Smithy, that, that matchup between the Pulse and the Stars, a grand final rematch from last year, and it was a stunner as well. It was it went right down to the wire. We saw Kelly Jerry get an intercept to sort of put the game to bed, but you never really think any of these teams, Smithy, maybe except the Steel, who have had the worst luck of all. Everyone in it. Well, that, that is interesting. They're out of it. There's no doubt about that. They sit uh, on two points um, after 10 games. Um, in fact, the tactics look pretty good because they've got a game in hand. Um, and uh, they were uh, able to uh, beat the, the Southern Steel 50-31. to 31. Quite an incredibly low-scoring game, that, I know. Yeah, look, Smithy, I think... Coming up against a team like the Steel, especially this season, look, we are only in round nine, but they've played 10 games, haven't won a single one. Their two points have been from bonus points. And it's sort of a, a, a thing for the tactics on, on over the weekend, Smithy, of them almost dropping to the level of the Steel. There's a real sense of frustration that I'm starting to feel out of the Steel, and it's you, you genuinely have to feel for them. I mean, they've had the worst luck. Uh, uh, George Fisher, their import shooter from England, an England international, Smithy, who's been... Uh, fantastic over the last two years for the Steels. Uh, she gets injured pre-season, so they go into the season without a chance. Their captain, Tahuyanga Rio Selby Rickett, uh, has been struggling with injuries, and we can't forget uh, Shannon Saunders, obviously, off on maternity leave. So three big leaders, uh, and the 
all the experience in the steel has sort of been drained out. A lot of pressure has come on to the Heffernan twins. Uh, we saw Kate Heffernan, the mid-quarter for the steel, make her, her name for herself in the black dress for the Silver Ferns at the end of last year. Her sister Georgia is a goal shoot and she sort of had a little bit of the pressure on her filling the role of George Fisher and it's just not really working out for them, Smithy. So it's going to be really interesting to see in these last rounds if they can, in fact, get that win because I genuinely believe they can, although they are a young team, they are hungry and if they can just sort of swap that frustration and turn it into energy and use that, look, I, I think the Steel can definitely pick up a game this season. Yes, there's a, a lot of talk uh, around the physicality in netball at the moment. Um, you know, looking back at the days um, when, um, you know, the Harpers, the Roberies, the Georges, etc. played where mm. they seemed to be able to hold space and, and beat people with steps and speed and agility as such. There seems to be a lot more contact, a lot more physicality. In fact, I read uh, an article uh, just prior to coming on the show where Grace Wicky had, had, had made noises about concussion scares for, from her point of view. I mean, you don't get concussion without serious contact. So is that something you're noticing? Uh, definitely, looks me. And I think that's a, a, a test to the level of athlete that we do have across the ANZ Premiership. I think uh, every year we're starting to see more and more injuries, and that's due to these players pushing their body harder. Uh, we, we've obviously got to be physical in the league now to get through, and we're seeing that. Uh, obviously, like you attested to, Grace Wickey coming out mentioning the head knocks, and we saw Dame Nolan Total a few weeks ago come out and say I believe it was after Steel and Pulse who are uh, this season notoriously two very rough teams uh, don't even get me started on the Magic Smithy we know that the, the Magic are a, are a churning team who who love to really get uh, down and dirty with the nitty gritty and so it's sort of a worry for me Smithy as we do approach the World Cup because I think what I'm seeing right now is teams allowing the frustration to get to them they're sort of getting a bit more physical getting these warnings and these cautions but Smithy the worry for me is are we getting too used to this because when we head to the World Cup and we come up against these international umpires they're not going to have a bar of it at all and so we mm. if, if we allow this frustration to keep building in this uh, uh, this physical impact on the game uh, where we're just seeing continuous stoppages and penalties in the ANZ Premiership I am genuinely worried for our state at the World Cup uh, when we come up against those international umpires so I think we do as a league need to tone it back a little bit but I think it does come down to uh, the athletic ability of every individual out there on the court wanting to win every single week. Okay, let's uh, a, let's look at um, this uh, draw for this weekend because there's uh, four matches. As you say, there's double headers involved. Um, first up on uh, Saturday, it's the Steel and the Pulse. Yep, look, we will have uh, that commentated on ECNZ. Mark Stafford and Brooke Lever will be taking that game. Look, Smithy, I've said it, I think the Steel can get a win. I just don't know if it's up against the Pulse. The Pulse are having a great run. We saw them uh, lose three in a row uh, only two rounds ago and now coming back. Uh, Yvette McCausland jury, I mean, you can never underestimate her as a coach. There is a reason why she has all of her ANZ Premiership and Championship titles behind her, but I think this one's going in favour of the Pulse. Okay, uh, Sunday, uh, one of two matches on Sunday, uh, the Tactics and the Mystics. This is the top of the table clash, clash in the South. Yes, yes, and it is uh, two years ago, the 2021 Grand Final uh, rematch, and I think that would have been the Grand Final last year as well if we didn't have the COVID struggles and the injuries. So these two teams have been going at each other uh, pretty evenly matched over the last three seasons. I can definitely feel that that grudge has never been lifted, especially from the Tactics side. So, look, the Tactics do have a double header this weekend, Smithy, and the Mystics have struggled 
struggled with injuries. Uh, over the weekend, we saw Michaela Sokolich Beatson out with illness, Monica Faulkner out with illness, Taylor Earl still recovering from her uh, foot injury. So there's a few uh, fill in players for the Mystics at the moment. So, look, if I was going to say, uh, and Smithy, you know I'm a big Mystics fan, so it's hard for me to say this, mm. but I think if there is a time for the tactics to get up over the Mystics, it is now. And how can I forget, Sula Fitzpatrick, the captain of the Northern Mystics, uh, looking to be out nearing the season as well. So if there's a chance for the tactics to strike convincingly, I think it's now, but you can never really count the Mystics out. But I'm going to say tactics, right. Smithy. Okay, well, okay, that'll be interesting. Um, I look forward to that one. I look forward to uh, the other one on Sunday as well, which is uh, the Stars uh, and the Magic. So um, Magic just uh, sitting five points below them on the table, but... Uh, the Stars have played an extra game on them So this is an interesting one Magic is honestly one of my favourite teams to watch this year Smithy, although they do sit in 5th uh, Only winning 4 and losing 6 It's the combination of Bailey Mears and Amelia and Ekanasio Obviously Ekanasio Gaining her credibility, Silver Ferns captain She played her 100th ANZ Premiership game over the weekend And Bailey Mears, a shooter who's come from the Northern Mystics Had a few years of injury and confidence struggles It's been really inspiring um, uh, in this Magic team who haven't had the best three years, Smithy. If you remember, two years ago they opened their season with a win against the Mystics, then proceeded to lose 14 in a row. This is a really promising Magic side. Although they do have a losing record at the moment, I do think the Magic are a bogey team uh, for a lot of teams. But, Smithy, for this game, the Stars' Magic, it is absolutely a must-win for the Stars if they want to prove that point that they are going to return to the grand final this season. So I'm expecting a serious rise from Kitty Wills and the Stars. I'm going to take the Stars. Right, OK, Monday, uh, I love a bit of Monday night netty, as they say. Uh, tactics pulse um, on Monday night, and that, uh, of course, down in Christchurch as well. Yes, Smithy, the uh, Mystics team manager just walked past and gave me a finger wave, believe it or not, in the ECNZ studio, so I may be wrong about my tactics pick, funnily enough. But moving on to Monday night, the tactics against the pulse. It is uh, another stunner, Smithy, two teams who are even on points. Uh, the tactics-mystics game will decipher who moves ahead of one another in this matchup, but look, I don't think you can take it away from the Pulse here, although uh, it is a double header as well for the Tactics and the Pulse this weekend. I think the Pulse having that Saturday game uh, just gives them a little bit of an edge because the, uh, the Pulse are a team that has a lot of depth, so they are a team that is allowing that one day in between to rest and recover. Tough one for me, Smithy. Uh, no, nah, I can't decide. I'm going to go with a coin flip on that one, so okay. that one's up in the air. That's the game of the weekend for me. Interesting. Right, Kez, uh, the big question now is what is uh, Dame Nolene seeing in the standard uh, this year? And uh, we're only, uh, what, we're j talking July, the World uh, the world Championships in July. Um, we haven't got a lot, uh, a lot more netball to be played, so she must be pretty close to form, uh, formalising her squad in her head anyway. Smithy, I'll tell you what Dame Knowles is seeing. She's seeing double and she's seeing stars at the moment just because she has got an absolute headache uh, with the selection of the Silver Ferns. We've been complaining over the last uh, 10 years about how we don't have enough depth in the midcourt. Now it's the absolute ob obvious. I think we have too many midcourters uh, and it's causing Dame Nolene a headache. Smithy, Storm and I have been trying to put together a 12 since the start of the season as that's what you take to the World Cup, a team of 12. It's just, it's really impossible. I mean, this is the year for me that uh, 
I think honestly, Smithy, and this is a hot take, our shooting end is probably the weakest right now. And we have arguably one of the greatest shooters in the world, Grace Wickey, Tapia Selby Rickett, the likes of Amelia Rand, Ikanasio, Bailey Mez, uh, I could go on, uh, Maya Wilson, uh, everyone, Smithy. And so that's sort of where uh, Dame Knowles is looking. The, the debate right now is there's hints at a return of Bailey Mez, but I think uh, Dame Knowles will stick strong and take Maya Wilson. Uh, the only slight uh, disadvantage we have is at the goal attack position, and that's what Knowles is sort of deciding where we go from there, whether we take Maya as a goal shoot slash goal attack, which we have seen her play in the Silver Fern setup. But look, Smithy, this year is really exciting, obviously being a World Cup year. Uh, we spoke to Dame Knowles uh, midway through the season, and she said she just had continuous headache uh, since the start of the ANZ Premiership because she's loving what she's seeing. Don't think we'll see any new entrants into the Silver Ferns being a World Cup year, and obviously the big one, Smithy, there is no trials uh, this year for the Silver Ferns. Dame Knowles, over the last few years, the quad series, uh, going to the Com Games, that has all sort of been her trial in itself. Bringing in new players, the the fringes like Peter Toyava of the Mystics, the Maddie Gordons of the Pulse, uh, these play, the Kate Heffernans of the Steel, these players coming together over the last year, getting their shot in the black dress is Dame Nolan's way of trialling. So I think I could have a good idea of where she's going to go, but like I said, Smithy, we are stacked all across the board, so it's going to be impossible to tell. I don't think there is a wrong answer in terms of selection this year. Okay, and just finally, do we look outside New Zealand, Australia and England? Uh, Jamaica, Smithy. We look at Jamaica as well. I think Jamaica's uh, a very strong team. They were they won the silver at the Commonwealth Games, and I think a lot of people overlooked that. Uh, Shamira Sterling, uh, who is their goalkeeper, has been absolutely destroying Suncorp netball this year. And if I'm honest, Smithy, I am nervous slash excited if we do go up against Jamaica again. Obviously, the growth and in, in maturity and of the play style of Grace Weeke going up against uh, a, a, a top-notch defender like Shamira Sterling in the Jamaicas. Smithy, Jamaica is seriously one to watch in this World Cup. Mate, you're one to watch. That's unbelievable background on netball. Oh, Absolutely Jesus, outstanding. That's why, uh, they, people that's why are actually, People and I can see people bowing, people clapping, people walking past the window, yeah. uh, applauding you. Yeah. That is that is an outstanding uh, step in off the bench, I've got to say, Kez. I've got to thank you uh, very much for that, and I am really well informed uh, as to the future now nah, in netball. Brilliant. Thank you, sir. Smithy, I've got to thank you as well. Always a pleasure joining you. Thank you, mate. Cheers. Um, Nice beard too, I think. Uh, it is 11.18 here on SENZ, I think it's a nice beard. Uh, uh, we'll take a break and then we'll come back to a, a clean-shaven sports desk. On SENZ. Turn up the volume. We're crossing live to the sports desk. What's fresh? What's making waves? Let's find out. Yes, indeed, and uh, what a hard act to follow after Kez. Uh, we're going to grow across to the sports desk now, and Logan Swinkles has got um, a plethora of information for us, I'm sure. Well, I, I don't know how I back that up, Smithy, but first of all, it is a clean-shaven sports desk because I can't, honestly, I'm 37, Kez is 21, not only is he an unbelievable talent, but he can also grow a beard like that at that age. I can't do that. In my uh, mid to late thirties, uh, <laughs> but we'll we'll get to the sports desk uh, instead of the uh, facial hair desk. Uh, Rexham's 
Wrexham, story of the moment at the moment. I absolutely love this. If you haven't seen Welcome to Wrexham on Disney+, Plus, check it out. I'm dying for season two after everything that's been going on because Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhinney are making an audacious and very public bid to entice Gareth Bale out of retirement to play a season at Wrexham. The ba- uh, Bale, a Wales great who retired after the World Cup at age 33, offered his congratulations to Wrexham's celebrity owners following the team's promotion to the fourth tier of English football at the weekend. In a response to Bale's video message, McElhaney wrote on Twitter, Hey Gareth Bale, let's play golf, where I totally won't spend four hours trying to convince you to unretire for one last magical season. Bale, a passionate golfer himself in his spare time, replied, depends what course, dot, dot, dot. And he tagged in the RNA, which is the, the organisation behind the British Open, and they run from the home of golf in St Andrews. So you can imagine what he's trying to hint at there. The pursuit of Bale looks like a long shot, given he is three months into retirement, has never played at that low level of football, and would likely command... A massive salary, although that doesn't seem to be a problem for uh, Reynolds and McElhaney. He's also born in Cardiff in South Wales, whereas Wrexham is in the uh, more in the northern part of the principality. McElhaney and Reynolds are dreamers, though, and just look at what they've been able to do with Wrexham since they took over from 2021. But with the two A-listers, unreal story, Smithy. He's a match. Gareth Bale coming out of retirement and playing in that fourth tier. Yeah, you know, I can, I, I can, in a, a sort of um, romantic sort of a way. I, I, as you say, I don't think uh, he'd be demanding a whole lot of money. To be fair, I, I think it's more uh, the novelty and the mm. romance of the whole situation. Being a Welsh club as as well, I, I wouldn't totally write it off. Um, and these guys obviously are pretty convincing in what they do, and they're ultra successful. But, um, why wouldn't you want to be part of the story? Uh, not so much pressure in terms of uh, Gareth Bale's career. I mean, he's played all around the world. Uh, terrific player. Um, and uh, I, I wouldn't write it off. There you go. Um, we'll just keep that one under our hats, so to speak, for the future. Because possibility. Love it. Uh, some news a bit closer to home for you, Smithy. Uh, the Perth Wildcats have announced the signing of Hawks Bay Hawk, Hawks captain Hiram Harris on a two-year deal. This is Awesome news for the young young lad because he is un, unreal in the South NBL. He debuted in the AMBL with the Illawarra, Illawarra Hawks back in 2019. Harris now joins the Wildcats after playing his last two AMBL seasons with the Adelaide 36ers and he was named their most improved player for the 2021-22 season. I say young, he's 26, but God, he looks young. Uh, he stands at six foot seven, crafty forward who can score inside the paint and outside the arc. He's also known to be a force on the defensive end, currently playing with the Hawks in the South NBL. He's averaging 16.5 points, 12.3 rebounds, 3.8 assists, and two steals a game. Harris said he's excited to be reunited with family in Perth and join such a successful NBL franchise. It would have been the wrong move to turn down this opportunity with such a successful organisation who has won multiple championships. Who wouldn't want to join them, he said. Meanwhile, the Perth Wildcats head coach John Riley said Harris's defensive skills were a big drawing card in getting him to the Wildcats, while their general manager of basketball operations, Danny Mills, has said that Harris's versatility will be influential on both ends of the court. So it sounds like they're pretty excited about that signing. Personally, Smithy, I am as well. I imagine you are too. Not really. I'll tell you why. 
Well, when I suggested to, to Hutchie, who owns the Perth Wildcats, of course, <laughs> uh, it, it, it might be a, a, a really good time to uh, put a bit, a bit of extra money into the old Hawks Bay side of things, thinking of me. Uh, he's come up and bought a, a, a damn basketballer. What the hell? I, I didn't mean that when I said put money back into Hawks Bay. I, and I, I, I didn't get that message through clearly enough. So uh, Hiram Harris, Hiram Harris gets uh, the new boat, obviously. So uh, we'll just move on from there. And let's shall we get to the NHL? Your neck of the woods. Yeah, just a little, a little quick update before we uh, get moving on to stumped. Uh, the Boston Bruins are looking to go through to the next round in the Eastern Conference there. They're leading that series 3-1. They're playing right now. We're halfway through the first period. They're up against the Florida Panthers. Panthers have taken have taken a 1-0 lead thanks to Anthony Duclair. The big news coming out of this one, though, is uh, the Bruins' inspirational captain, Patrice Bergeron, who is one of the league leaders in face-offs. He's he wins about 61% of them, which is unreal. If you can win at least half, that's good. But he's winning at least 61% of the draws. Uh, he's such a powerful force. So you imagine having him back in the lineup is going to be a real source of inspiration for them. But, yes, right now Florida are leading that 1-0. And later on today, the Seattle Kraken play the Colorado Avalanche at 1.30pm. Uh, and that series is tied 2-2, Smithy. And the Maple Leafs? Oh, the Maple Leafs. Tomorrow, 11am, up against the Tampa Bay Lightning. We'll, we'll talk then, eh? We'll talk then. We'll talk then about that. We'll have to give updates throughout the, the last hour of our show tomorrow, uh, just for the hell of it, shall we? Okay, right, let's have um, let's have a stump smithy, shall we? It's uh, 11.30 here on SENZ. Uh, we're up for, for just the fitty today, just the fitty bucks. Uh, we gave away 100 yesterday which was gratefully received, uh, so here's your opportunity. Uh, 0800 150 811 is uh, the number. Uh, Brian's waiting for your call, so Logan will be the quiz master. Uh, and in the meantime, we'll hear uh, a news update from Aroha. Ian Smith's had a good match here. Stumped by Smithy. Ian Smith really is top class at his job. Yes, it's time to play Stumped here on SNZ Mornings with Ian Smith. Always love a good stumping. Uh, it's Thursday. We could get it up to $100 for Friday because we are playing for a $50 TAB bonus bet. Before we get through to who's playing for it, Smithy, just a little uh, explainer for those listening. If you haven't played stump before, we have three categories to choose from today. If you get a question wrong, then it's over to Smithy for a chance to knock your bales off. Get out within those first two questions and it's on to the next caller in line. Get dismissed on the final one and we will jackpot for Friday. But joining me now, Smithy. Oh, there's a man I haven't heard from in a while since I've been away. Ed from Tolaga Bay. Come in, mate. Ed, you there? Oh, sorry. Snooze you lose, mate. We're going to go to Clayton from Nelson. You there, buddy? Yeah, mate. How you going? You're not too bad. Clayton from Nelson. Uh, Clayton, um, I'm not quite sure we've um, we've uh, had a crack at this, you and I, together. Is, 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 uh, have you beaten someone else, or is this your first time? No, this is my first time calling, Smitty. I've only heard it a few times, but this is my first time calling. Good on you, man. Uh, wish you all the very best. What's Nelson like today? Oh, it's it's lovely and sunny. Yep, we've had a, a drop of rain just enough to, to make the, the grass grow, and uh, it's nice and sunny and beautiful today. 
Good on you. Okay, what are the categories uh, for Clayton today, uh, Logan? Uh, home of the Nelson Giants, but man, I'm glad I gave her the explanation there. So uh, always great to have a first-timer. The categories to choose from today, Clayton, for you are Major League Baseball, Soccer Football, and Basketball. Take your pick. Oh, I need to go uh, Soccer Football, please. All right, good luck. First question. <laughs> the Mick Reynolds era. Uh, <laughs> one of the greatest stories happening in football right now, of course, is Wrexham AFC languishing in the lower leagues without a hope for more than a decade. How many years did it take Wrexham to get back into League Two from the National League? Oh. Oh, I'd have to guess. I'll say. Five. <clears throat> You say five? Yeah, is that right? Yeah, five. Yep. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. <laughs> there was a little clue in the question that they languished in the lower leagues without a hope for more than a decade. Smithy. Oh, too much. <laughs> I'll, I'll take uh, 12, a dozen. One of the worst things I have ever seen oh, done no. on a cricket field. Close. 15 years. That's a long time. 15 years. Okay. Right. Uh, question two. Question two for you, Clayton. Before this morning's rounds of matches, Manchester City striker Erling Haaland has scored 32 Premier League goals this season. He's scored more goals than seven EPL clubs. Can you name one of them? Oh, uh... Yeah, Just a couple of chips down the wicket, right in the slot, and away it goes. Smithy, can you name the others? Well, no, I'd have to say that um, they're languishing at the bottom of the table, so uh, uh, maybe Everton, maybe yep. uh, Nottingham Forest, Yep. Um, maybe, um, who else is down there at the moment, uh, Wolves? Yes. Um, who else is down there at the moment? Um, yeah, Fulham? Not Fulham. The, okay. the others are Bournemouth, Crystal Palace, and get this, Chelsea. Oh. Chelsea. He's got more goals than Chelsea. That is, that is amazing. <laughs> that is embarrassing. That's all I'll say. That so, is absolutely staggering. Clayton, you're still alive, mate. Last question. $50 TAB bonus bet up for grabs. I wish you good luck. This being your first time. How many games is the Football Ferns current winless streak at? Oh. Um, I think I had this the other day. Uh, is it 11? One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Close, but no cigar. Smithy, over to you, mate. I reckon it's close to that. I reckon it's it's really, really close. So I'm going to go 13. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. <sighs> 10. 10. The last win was back in November 2021. 2-0 versus South Korea. Well, let's hope they don't extend that out to a 13 or 14 by not winning a game at the World Cup. That would be very, very frustrating. Uh, Clayton, you're a winner. You're an absolute winner. One of the, the interesting things about this game is that 
um, you can win without being 100% accurate, and you have done that this morning. So congratulations to you. Awesome. Uh, please, Thank you. Please stay, please stay on the line, and uh, Brian will get your details as a newbie. And uh, as a newbie, we uh, absolutely congratulate you and invite you to call back at any stage with uh, any opinion or anything you'd like. We'd love to hear from you, Clayton. So you have a terrific day down there in beautiful Nelson. Thanks, guys. Awesome. Cheers. Clayton there, uh, our uh, winner today. Yeah, great to have a first-time caller get through and great to have a first-time winner uh, as we look to promote the show. It's uh, coming up to 11.41 here on SENZ. We'll visit uh, the Temper Bedpost text machine very shortly. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Yes, heading to the text line very shortly, but just confirming uh, the Blackburn Sevens uh, squad for the Toulouse Sevens. They uh, head off, um, I think, this morning. Um, uh, Elena Saili, Jasmine Felix Hottam, Georgia Miller. How talented is Georgia Miller? Uh, Kelly Brazier makes a return. Mahina Paul, Manaya Nuku, uh, Niall Guthrie uh, before she heads off to the NRL. Uh, Portia Woodman Wycliffe, uh, Resiliana Purilane, Sarah Hernani, uh, Sheree Kaka, Stacey Waka, uh, Tyler Nathan Wong, and uh, Taisha. Uh, Ikanasio, so uh, that is the squad to represent us, and boy, they're going to unstoppable, aren't they? Uh, would be great for them to crown uh, what's been a terrific campaign with a win in Toulouse. Uh, unavailable, uh, the brilliant Michaela Blyde. Give her a ball and give her the gap, and good boy, goodbye, Michaela. It's as simple as that. Uh, without her, Tarina Te Tamaki and uh, Teresa Fitzpatrick all unavailable on the sidelines for this particular trip. So, uh, good luck to the girls, um, or the ladies. Uh, Smithy, can you tell me which cricketers came home from Pakistan and which ones went over? Rex, I'd love to be able to do that, um, but I'm not 100% sure. Uh, I know, we all know that uh, Mark Chapman stayed on, of course, um, and I also know that uh, Game 1 is on tonight at uh, 10.30. Um, uh, It'll be interesting. Uh, 50-over game, of course, uh, one of five. And these are hugely important. Gary Stead rejoining uh, the squad for the 50-over side of things. Hugely important in terms of our build-up for uh, the 50-over World Cup. Where we're going to get some clues, I think, as to... Um, uh, obviously, the IPL guys aren't there, but who are they going to bat at three? Who are going to bat in Kane Williamson's spot? Uh, we'll, we'll get some indications there. That'll be quite interesting. So, yeah, 10.30 tonight. Uh, I think first ball over there in Pakistan. Smithy, I, um, I have an answer for you. Yes. Yeah. The the, the uh, in terms of who was in and who was out, the Black Caps tour yeah. party was to extend to sixteen with the addition of Chapman and new arrivals Tom Blundell and Henry Nichols. The only person to uh, depart from the T from that T Twenty squad is Dane Cleaver. He's returned home. Okay, thanks very much for that, Dane Cleaver. So uh, it was just there as a passenger anyway, really, wasn't he? Um, right. Uh, let's uh, move down the list here. Hey, Smithy, uh, are there any front runners for the Canes job for next year? Haven't heard any. Be great to see former Wellington man Jamie Joseph take it on, wouldn't it? But they couldn't afford him. Uh, Jamie's on mega bucks at uh, Japan, you, you would assume. Um, when he wants to take a step backwards, I doubt it. I think Jamie Joseph's destined uh, for bigger things. And I don't mean insulting here in terms of coaching the Hurricanes. But um, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't even think he's uh, even considering it. Uh, Chris Boyd might be one, a former winner, of course, uh, with the Hurricanes. He's uh, involved as a mentoring role down there at the Highlanders. Not going so good down there, the Highlanders, but maybe Chris Boyd might be uh, re-interested in uh, having another go at it. 
Don't know. What about Wayne Pivak to coach the Blues, says Eastie. Uh, Northland, Auckland, twice MPC coach, Fiji and Wales. No one better at blending the multicultural mix of Auckland's talent to bring out the best in them. Okay, Wayne Pivak uh, is an interesting uh, name thrown in there. Thanks, Eastie. Uh, Mark, uh, lots of people whinged about New Zealand rugby and the old boys club. Now that that's just been replaced by another boys club, seriously, overall, this talk, need to park Razor and his men and get behind the current coaching playing group. I uh, couldn't agree um, any more with you, Mark. Um, also, uh, Mark's uh, very keen for the Crusaders to get back up to uh, Hamilton and repay the compliment from round one. Why wasn't Joe Smith not uh, kept with his experience? Uh, Irish John, well, um, I can. I don't know if uh, him and uh, Razor Robertson are on the same wavelength. Um, not sure about that. Um, I, I think Razor wants to, you know, and quite rightly, it wants us to be Razor's ship. I know that he, he's in, you know, he's encouraging all his assistant coaches to be very much part of it, particularly in selection or whatever. But at the end of the day, it's Razor's gig. He'll be ultimately responsible for this. Um, and um, Joe Smith is, has been uh, such a great achiever and a head coach with a worldwide reputation. Uh, perhaps not a guy that you want to go in alongside you. Uh, and I don't know if Joe Smith was even interested, to be perfectly honest. Um, I, I think he, he probably thought um, if they go for Razor Robertson, that's not my scene. Um, and he'll move on to something else. Um, hopefully he will. Um, he doesn't have to. Uh, he's done very well out of rugby, you would assume, Joe Smith. But um, at this point, I don't th- uh, see him being involved, not even at super rugby level either. Right, Brian's come in uh, and said uh, Richie Mwanga is going to Japan and the knowledge that Razor will be able to pick in from their rules will change as they have done with the coaching change halfway through the cycle. Uh, my thoughts there, please. Um, certainly, um, Scott Robertson will try, I won't say to influence, but he'll work away on the basis that he wants every New Zealand player currently playing rugby in New Zealand or around the world to be available to him. Um, I wouldn't. Um, I wouldn't uh, think that's unusual to think of. And up until now, it's been a no-no. Uh, there's been the odd exception. I think Luke McAllister was the first one when Graham Henry found a, a way to get him home. Uh, but the, you know, a, a player, as we said, like a, a Richie Mawanga, um, will certainly be a, cat- uh, a candidate in that regard. And he's the type of player Razor would be uh, hinting about. Um, and that's why Chris has come in and said uh, Mawanga goes to Japan to earn his rightful millions. Uh, Robertson tells him, wink, wink, don't worry, son, I will get the rules changed so you can still play for the All Blacks. Then I won't have to pick the best here in New Zealand, Damien McKenzie. Ah, an expletive there from Chris, Chris as well. So they were the texts the, this morning, a lot of them on uh, Razor Robertson and co. It is uh, coming up to 11.52. We'll get uh, Staffy's thoughts on that uh, and what he's got coming up this afternoon here on SENZ. SCNZ, it's Kiwi for Sport. Keep up to date on Twitter and Instagram at SCNZ underscore radio.